he is risen. I want to start today by introducing you to God himself. Now, I know what you're thinking. Are we just going to dive right into this thing? And the answer is yes. Because we talk about Easter, and when we talk about it, sometimes we talk about so many other things other than God. I mean, we talk about our fancy clothes, you all look great, by the way. Look beautiful, very nice Sunday Easter dress. We talk about pastel colors. We talk about springtime flowers. We talk about Cadbury cream eggs. And those little sugar-colored marshmallows called... Peeps. I actually gave my son a peep, and he hasn't calmed down since. That was three years ago. But let's skip over all that today and let's get right to God, the creator of all the galaxies. We'll start right here with our solar system. Did you know it would take our fastest rocket 17 years to travel to the farthest planet, the last planet in our system, Pluto? Not that Pluto. This one. Think about that. 17 years at our fastest speed. But Pluto is actually very near compared to all the stars in the galaxy. If the distance between the sun and Pluto were like a one-foot ruler, then um, by comparison, the nearest star would be over a mile away, if you can believe that. And the galaxy is so, 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 so much bigger than just our solar system. And the Earth, if you look at it, if the galaxy represented, this, say, the size of North America, where we live, our entire solar system would fit into a cop coffee cup somewhere in Delaware. kind of hurts your brain, doesn't it? Like scripture talks a lot about God's creation. In Genesis chapter one, the beginning of the Bible, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Revelation 4.11, it also says, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. But I wonder if 
God's masterpiece is not necessarily the universe, but something smaller. I wonder if God's masterpiece is actually you. This is you. Okay, it's not actually you. But it's a fellow human being. So I want you to picture these facts about the way you are created. Every second, your body produces 25 million cells, new cells. That means in 15 seconds, you produce more cells in your body than the number of people in the United States of America. Despite accounting for only 2% of your body mass, your brain uses over 20% of your oxygen and blood supply. Now, humans are not the biggest or the fastest, right? But we are the best at long distance running. Like our long legs and our upright posture and ability to shed heat makes us really good runners. In fact, early humans used to hunt their prey by chasing it for long periods of time until, get this, the animals literally died from exhaustion. (laughs) It's a technique known as persistence hunting. Side note, this is how I met my wife. Look at that, baby. We still got it. Still got it. Listen now, listen, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is you are a miracle. Scripture says you are fearfully, beautifully, and wonderfully made. You can hear, see, taste, and smell. You have amazing reflexes. See what I mean? So so why am I talking about all this on Easter Sunday? Well, understanding the Easter story begins with a revelation that God cares about you. He cares about your story. He cares about how you feel. He cares about the state of your heart. If God looked you in the eyes this morning and he said, how are you doing really? How would you answer? Here's the entire point to this message this morning. The resurrection isn't just something that happened to God. (laughs) And it's not just a footnote in human history where we take a moment and observe him today on this Easter Sunday. Here's the point. There is power and life in the resurrection. And that power is life-changing if we'll only accept it. So I'm gonna tell you a few resurrection stories to illustrate this idea, okay? Go with me. Let's start with Peter. I think it's so easy to picture him, Peter, as the saint, right? Saint Peter. The person who Jesus said he would build his church upon. But I wonder what Peter would look like if he were around today. (laughs) 
We'll call him Pete. Maybe he'd look like this. Beard, tattoos, nice flannel shirt, drinking a Topo Chico. Or maybe drinking something a little harder, like a Topo Chico lime. So what do we know about Peter? His full name was Simon Peter. And he first met Jesus while he was fishing. In fact, there was a miraculous catch of fish that Jesus assisted him with. And he invites Peter to come and follow him. And he leaves his nets immediately, the scripture says, and becomes a disciple of Jesus. Peter represents the believer the one who saw what Jesus did and believed. He had an incredible encounter with Jesus, a miraculous moment, and decides to drop everything and just follow God. Miracles start to happen in Peter's life. Once he even stepped out of a boat and walked on the water with Jesus. Yeah, it was awesome. When the religious leaders come to arrest Jesus, it's Peter who stands up and he grabs his sword and he chops Malchus's ear right off. It's a heroic act that could have cost him his life, but that was Peter. That's how he was. It seems like he was always trying to prove his worth to God. He had pledged to Jesus that he would follow him all the way to his death. Jesus responds by warning Peter that he would deny him three times. Not me, Lord. No way. That's impossible. But that very night, Peter bravely cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. But Jesus isn't impressed by Peter's bravery, right? In fact, he said something different. What Jesus actually said, if you live by the sword, then you're going to die by the sword. And then Jesus does something awesome. He kneels down and picks up the ear of the high priest's servant. (laughs) Gross. And then he heals Malchus's ear. then Jesus is carried off into the night. Have you ever tried to prove your worth to God? Have you ever said, God, look at all the incredible things that I've done for you? Or even worse, have you had everything going wrong in your life? Everything's falling apart. And you're trying to prove your worth to God while all that's happening. That's Peter. His mind races as he is outside the house where Jesus is taken. It's the house of the high priest, and he sits by the fire among the others. First, a woman notices him and says, this man was also with him. He answers, I don't know him. Another man says, you're one of the disciples. And he says, I am not. An hour later, there's this unrest in the camp and and someone says you know him 
you're from his hometown. And Peter answers, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately he hears the rooster crowing in the distance. Jesus' words flood back over Peter when he said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You see, Jesus knew this would happen. He knew it would happen. And I wonder if Peter thought to himself, all those moments, all those moments where I stood up for Jesus, all my faith, all my actions, they weren't even real, they didn't even matter. You know, bravery always defined Peter. But now, a new word defines him. He was the coward, the hypocrite. And he failed the test when it mattered most. There's another story that I have to tell about a woman named Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene is a fascinating character in the Gospels. This is what she might look like if she were here today. Let's call her Maggie. Mags. May I call you Mags? Hmm. Stylish hair. She's skipping right over the Topo Chico, straight for the oat milk latte, paired with a gluten-free carob muffin. <laughs> mm. Yeah, pretty much what I eat for breakfast every day. But Mary Magdalene's story is so much different than Peter's. Peter was bold and brash, like he always let his opinions be heard. But Mary wasn't even sure she belonged in the story. Mary symbolizes the person here this morning who's been hurt bad. Hurt in a way that defines her story, you know? Maybe those hurts have caused you to make really bad decisions or mistakes, and maybe they've made you feel isolated, alone, even ashamed. What was Mary Magdalene's defining hurt? Well, the Gospel of Luke tells us that she was possessed by seven demons. It's a shocking number. Biblical scholars have debated about what the number seven means. Some scholars say it was a combination of spiritual attacks and mental illnesses that she suffered from. But one thing is clear. She faced the darkness and she was set free. But that didn't mean she always felt worthy. Some scholars argue that the woman with the alabaster jar was Mary Magdalene. We're not sure who that woman was in all honesty, but her story is profoundly significant and important because this is the story of a woman who took the jar of perfume and used it to wash the feet of Jesus. Scripture says 
she washed his feet with her tears and then dried them with her hair. <laughs> okay, that's just weird. It's an idea that's completely foreign to us in 2022, but to her, this was the ultimate sign of love and respect, worship. Author John D. Vivlit, he notes, what a remarkable picture of devotion this is. Mary's unashamed, humble, extravagant gesture. There's nothing here that resembles any kind of obedience that's begrudging to a distant deity. This is wholehearted devotion to a loving Lord. And listen, it's significant to note that the alabaster perfume that she poured out cost over a year's salary. Today, <laughs> that would be like washing Jesus' feet with a Tesla <laughs> that you could never drive again. Oh, I know. Okay, that analogy went a little off the rails. But my point is that this is a woman who worshiped Jesus with everything she had because she felt as though she'd been given everything she needed. Not everyone appreciated the act. Judas actually said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Seems so practical, of course. But the gospel gives us a further look into Judas's heart. John's gospel story records he didn't say this because he was concerned for the poor, but because he was a thief and a keeper of the money bag, and he used to dip into it himself. Again, the biblical scholar, John Vliet, he's he noted about this exchange between Mary and Jesus, the contrast that could not be more pronounced. Mary is generous. Judas is greedy. Mary is humble. Judas is arrogant. Mary is selfless. Judas is selfish and self-centered. Judas stands aloof, but Mary bows and worships in humble adoration. Together they serve as vivid contrasting illustrations for what Jesus always taught. Jesus' own teaching, where your treasure is, that's where you'll find your heart. That's where your heart will always be. Mary Magdalene would follow Jesus all the way to the cross where she knelt with Jesus' mother, also named Mary, the woman who birthed him, the woman who laid him in a manger 33 years earlier. You see, Mary Magdalene, she put all her hope in him, everything she had, but it felt like her story was turning out the same way it always did. The surprise of hope turned into another heartbreaking letdown. Her story is defined by hurt. 
You see, it wasn't just Simon Peter or Mary Magdalene that Jesus affected. He sat with tax collectors and, and with adulterers and beggars and immigrants and the sick. He also sat with the rich and the powerful and the influential. He sat with everyone. And they all had this one thing in common. They were all sinners. They were all far from God. You see, Jesus came to our planet to not only be with us, he came to rescue us from the burden of sin, the crushing weight, and to reunite us with God, our Father. And if we're honest, every one of us have done things that not only cause damage to ourselves, but also cost someone else something. We're all people on trial. Mercy pulling at one side and justice at the other. This human contradiction could not be set right. So instead of you and me getting put on trial, Jesus, God himself, stood in our place. Jesus was arrested, even though he'd never sinned, even though he'd never done anything wrong. He was forced to carry a cross through the streets of Jerusalem, just a few miles from his own hometown. They took him to a hill called Golgotha and hung him on an old wooden cross. The same crowds that cheered for him, the same people he sat with at the table, they all turned their back on him. Was Jesus angry at us? Did he, did he hate us? No. He knew this was why he was here. The separation from God that had taken place in the Garden of Eden many years ago was finally coming to an end. Justice was satisfied so that mercy could take its place. And Jesus was telling us, here, let me take that from you. Let me carry that burden. It's too heavy for you. Let me take it instead. At that moment, he had opened the door to sorrow, to suffering, guilt, despair, and even horror. He took it all on himself. But when it was over, he simply proclaimed, it is finished. His followers must have thought, how is he really gone? Mary Magdalene must have been devastated. Her hurt had to still seem so very real. She'd come so far. She'd been freed from the darkness of her past, redeemed by Jesus. And now she comes to a tomb, the place of his burial. If you've ever lost a loved one, you may know what it's like to kneel at their grave and mourn. To think of all the memories and to feel the heartbreak of knowing you'll never see them again. I wonder if that's 
what Mary was feeling on that Easter morning as she came to the tomb. The Gospels say Mary went into the tomb and her face was stained with tears where she saw two angels dressed in white. One of the angels asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Mary was no doubt in shock. She wanders disoriented out of the tomb and into the garden. She sees someone else there and she hears a voice. Why are you crying? What are you looking for? She thinks it's the gardener. She asks, sir, have you carried him away? Please tell me where you have put him. And then the voice simply says, Mary. She can hardly believe her eyes. She cries out, teacher, and she tries to embrace him. And Jesus tells her, no, you still have work to do. You've got to go tell the disciples, my brothers, about what you've seen. Now, I want you to note how important this is, what a big moment this is. Because Mary Magdalene, the one possessed by seven demons, the one who humiliated herself by washing Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair, she is the one, the only one trusted with the news of the resurrection. And it transformed her life. She was defined by hurt, but now she becomes the messenger of hope. the messenger of hope to all the disciples and to all the world. You see, history will always look at her as the first person who encountered resurrection life. And then there's Peter. He couldn't even bring himself to believe Mary's story. So he ran to the tomb himself. Of course, he finds it empty. But Jesus... He would come and find Peter. He found him once again on, on the lake fishing. <laughs> Jesus even helps him catch fish again. Evidently, Peter wasn't a great fisherman. But he, face to face with Jesus, maybe Peter thinks, his time as a significant follower of Jesus is over. Maybe it's time to call it quits. I've failed. It doesn't work anymore. I can't do it. And Jesus looks Peter in the eye and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus tells him, then take care of my sheep. And then Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me? Peter again, he answers, yes. Finally, Jesus asks for the third time. It's so strange. Peter, do you love me? And the Bible tells us that this time Peter is hurt. Is he saying something wrong? Does Jesus not believe me? And so he answers, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus, in a moment of restoration, he says, then feed my sheep and follow me. What's important is to understand Peter denied Jesus 
three times, and then three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? This mirrors the three denials, and with each answer, instead of denying Jesus, Peter now gets to proclaim, I love you, I'm with you, I'm following you. So Peter's story turns from fear into love. Love fills his heart. Love changes his life. These are the resurrection stories of the past. But I know the reality is there are some stories here in the present, right here this morning. And actually, I have debated whether or not to do this, but I'm gonna do something bold and I'm gonna ask you if you're willing, would you take a bold step with me? Under your chairs, there's a piece of poster board and a marker. I want you to go ahead and take them out right now. Just locate them and find them right there. Find that marker, find that poster board. Now, I've been a pastor long enough to know that every single person in this room, every person has a story. It may involve hurt, failure, or heartache, something that you can't move past. You, you keep trying, but it seems like you just can't. So I want you to hold this marker, and I just want you to think. Just, just give yourself a moment here on Resurrection Sunday. Give yourself a moment. Think about one word that encapsulates what you're going through right now. What does it look like? You don't have to write it yet. Don't, you, don't, don't be in a hurry. You saw some of the words up here, hurt and fear, and maybe it's a word like anger or pride or addiction. What's the battle you're fighting right now? We're going to take a moment and worship. And during this song, I want you to write that word down on that poster board. And if you, if you need a breakthrough, if you need Jesus to do something to resurrect something in your life, if you need him to do a miracle, if you want his grace and mercy to come upon you, I want you to write down that word, whatever it is, that word on the other side. It could be a word like hope, peace, healing, maybe forgiveness, maybe restoration. Listen, I, I know it's easy to come to a church service and just listen to a nice message, a very nice message. But then you just leave. But I want, I want to give you space this morning. I want you to pause here for a moment and share what you're facing. So take a moment during this song. Write down one word that describes what's going on in your life where you need a breakthrough on the other side. And I, and I invite you to pray about this. Just sit and pray. Ask the Lord to speak to you. Prayer is simple. It's just talking to God. Maybe you've done it all your life. Maybe you've never done it before. Hey, you're in church. A great, great place to start.
Take some time right now as we worship together.